All right, here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. You don't like it when I say doot, doot, doot? No. I, I don't dislike it, but I think you should mix it up a little. But it's such a good tune. <laughs> doot, 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 doot. All right. Uh, Zen Parenting Radio, welcome. Um, this is episode number 248. Uh, what's Zen Parenting Radio? Uh, we discuss transformational wisdom, everyday challenges, and pop culture to encourage laughter, self-awareness, and empathy, sweetie. That's it. And our motto is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. You got to know you to know anybody else. That's right. And uh, we're going to talk about what our voice sounds like. Yes. How does my voice sound, sweetie? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's going to be the entirety of the show. Yeah, pretty much. But specifically... Give me the bullet points. We're going to talk about... So we're going to talk about there's a documentary coming out uh, by a documentary filmmaker named David Thorpe, and his documentary is called Do I Sound Gay? And there's been trailers out for a while, and I've been very interested in this movie. I, th- I found it very fascinating, mm. you know, just from a sociological perspective, yeah. like, let's talk about this. Yeah. And so we're going to talk a little bit about his movie and why he made it, mm-hmm. and then that leads in to a lot of the vocal issues with girls and men, uh, men and women these days, um, one of them being called Upspeak. Yep. And the other one is called Vocal Fry. Okay. And why they're used, how they're used, and why they can present challenges. But those are the bullet points, but I was just saying to Todd that this show really isn't about pointing fingers and saying this is good, this is bad, you should do this, you should do that. This is all just self-awareness about how we talk and why we talk the way we do, because all of us have certain inflections. All of us have, you know, depending on where you live in the country or where you live around the world, you have different accents. Um, And there isn't good, bad, or anything. It's just why do we talk the way we do. Sweetie, is this guy good or bad? Be here around nine. That would be great. If you could go ahead and get it as far back against that wall as possible, that would be great. That would be great. That's vocal fry. Really? That would be great. It's dropping down. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So so that's the guy from Office Space. But I think why this is important to connect it to parenting is because our kids, as they go through different ages, they try out different voices. And I know that I can say, not only as, you know, with my kids have I noticed that, but when I was in high school, I had a voice that I used mm-hmm. um, when I was with my friends. Yeah. And it was kind of annoying to my mother. I remember using it at home sometime and my parents being like, oh my God, stop it. You know? Would that be considered what I call sassy voice? No. Gosh. No, it, it was. I mean, maybe, but it more was like a like a baby voice. Like, Ooh. yeah, I know. But with my friends, there was nothing about it that was because it was just us. Yeah. And I also noticed that even still, that we kind of have our little groups, mm-hmm. and in each different group, we may talk a little bit different. Our different tribes. Mm-hmm. I was with the girls in the car, and we were going to Chicago last week to see my friend Jessica. And it was funny because I was talking a certain way to the girls, and I pulled up, and Jessica was outside, and she started making some, you know, comment about my parallel parking, and so I start funny. I mean, she's one of my best friends. I start kind of yelling back at her, like, what do you think? Blah, blah, blah. And I start talking to her the way I talk to my friends. Yeah. And even though my girls are used to that because yeah. they see all my faces, I just realized how funny that is, how you switch yeah. so quickly. Instantly. Instantly. And so why I say that to us is for our own self-awareness, mm-hmm. how we realize that we put on different voices depending on who we're with. Right. We don't talk to our friends the way we talk to our boss, yeah. usually. Um and I also want you to to not be disparaging to your children mm. about the voices they're trying. I mean, you can ask them questions about it or become aware or ask them, you know, 
whatever, notice it, recognize it. But a lot of times we just decide, oh, that's dumb or don't do that or don't do that around me. Or that's... I'm, I think I'm guilty of that. I think you have been in the past. Um, and it's because I call it sassy voice and it's whatever like that. Mm-hmm. Like our daughters don't talk like that unless they're trying to do the voice that annoys dad. And But I feel like that was almost a few years ago. Yeah. They've moved through that to another voice. And I think the language that I always tried to use with them around that was, I know you talk this way with your friends, totally cool, but when we're having a conversation, let's use a different language. Yeah. Because that way we don't get annoyed and triggered by that voice, but we're not saying, like I just read a blog last week about the... the I think the blog was called like the worst words I ever used with my child. And were any of them moist, sweetie? No, I can't stand that word. Um, but this mom was talking to her daughter and her daughter was doing some kind of voice or something. And the mom said, Oh, you sound so stupid. And even though there are many of you out there who hear that and say, well, I say that to my children all the time. Yeah. That's kind of harsh. It was about the effect it had on that child. How do you know what you're, because you're guessing? Because the girl, the woman, actually, the woman who wrote it, it was a grown-up, uh, and she was talking about her childhood. Got it, so got I had it. it so she was, yeah. So she was reflecting on when her mom said that to her mm-hmm. and how that affected the way she perceived herself. Yeah. And I know that sounds heavy and like, oh, I'm a bad mom. It's spot starting now. Yeah. But recognize that when you say, you're saying, well, I'm going to tell her she sounds stupid so so I can help her. But that's a shame-guilt thing. Yeah. Instead... I notice you're talking this way. Mm-hmm. You talk this way with your friends, but let's you and I communicate a different way. We don't have to cut them down to teach a lesson. So I say we jump into this movie, but I just wanted to preface everything by saying this is not. This is more about awareness. I think it's fascinating. Right. So we're going to play um, a clip of the trailer, and we got the clip from a Terry Gross interview on NPR. Right. And the reason this came to our attention all in one package mm-hmm. is because uh, Terry Gross did an interview with David Thorpe, and in the interview, she spoke with a speech pathologist named Susan Sankin, who David Thorpe highlights in the documentary, but she was also someone he went to right. because he decided that his voice, he didn't like his voice yes. and he wanted help. Yes. Okay. So here's a clip to the trailer. It's about 40 seconds. Gans. Do I sound gay? Yes, I think you do sound gay. Not as much as I do, but. Yes. Yes. Uh, no. En français, no. In English, I don't know. <laughs> yes. Not at all. Really? your t- tone which is like intellectual so s- people can read it as gay i would have just maybe lumped you in the artsy fartsy sound creative you have like the s in the front of the mouth which is part of the gay man stereotype there is something slightly melodic i think it's the nasality i would definitely rate you as a metrosexual no not at all no you sound like a human being male there we go so um Why that's interesting is, did you hear all the different commentary? Some people said right away, yes, you sound gay. Some people said, well, you just sound intellectual or you sound creative or you sound artsy-fartsy. And so regardless of whether or not it determined what his sexuality was to them, Mm -hmm. they they were influenced by his voice. And again, everyone will say, well, of course. But that's really interesting when it comes to how we view people, what their voice sounds like. It makes us decide how we feel about them. Yeah. Well, we're already creating a perception of who these people are. Correct. You know, the first uh, perception you take is what they look like. The second perception that you take is after you talk to them, you kind of right. develop some uh, opinions. I was going to say prejudices, but that's not true. Not always. But, but Just opinions. Like it's not necessarily... Perceptions. Pre- perceptions. Yeah. I perceive this person to be gay. I mean, I don't know if 
this person is or not, but uh, he sounds like he is. Well, one story that you and I were talking about outside is within the documentary, uh, or maybe it was just within the interview, David Thorpe talks about how he came out in college, and when he he had a best friend in high school, a girl, and they know they knew each other growing up, he went away to college, he came out, and he really embraced that lifestyle where he, he came into his own. He found his tribe, he found his people, and his language really changed. Mm-hmm. His voice became more, I think as he described it, flamboyant. Yes. And when he came home, his friend, his best girlfriend, felt really betrayed. Like, who are you? Yeah. Who this are is you not being? the person that I know. Exactly. I don't know you. And he at first was offended, thinking she didn't accept his lifestyle. And she's like, of course I accept you and your lifestyle, but what's up with all this? Yeah. And he, he at the time, he said, I couldn't understand it. He goes, but now in hindsight, mm-hmm. she thought that I was putting on a show. Yeah. And what he launched into was kind of what we talked about at the beginning is that really what he realized is that when he found himself, he did find a different voice, but that was for a different group. And then when he came home, he didn't really want to alter who he was, but he he, couldn't turn it off. He could tone it down a little bit. And why I find this so interesting, and I don't have any answers to this question, is one thing that I think is really important with self-awareness is being really the same per- – my example that I always give at Women's Circle is um, you know, when I'm 105 and I have my funeral, mm-hmm. um, hopefully there's friends around, but I would want someone from work – someone who knew me from high school, someone who knew me from college and someone who knew me from, you know, where I live to all have similar perceptions of me. Right. Meaning that I don't want to be a completely different person. Yes. But does that really connect to the voice? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think sometimes, you know, so that's the self Well, I think you can people. use that as a metaphor for, for, for the way you live your life. Right. Um, so no, I mean, I understand um, your story about, um, about this, uh, this lady of this of this gay man who who directed this film, right? Um, His so name's David Thorpe. David Thorpe. Yeah. Um, so no, I mean I can understand why the woman's like, "What is what going are you doing? on?" Yeah, right. yeah. It's like someone. It was like everyone when Madonna first married Guy Ritchie, and she was living in England. And she would do interviews, and she'd have a British accent. And everyone's like, what are you doing? Right. You're, now, from, you're from Michigan, yeah, lady. Yeah, you're from Michigan. Now, do I believe that you can be absorbed in that environment so much that you start to take that on? Well, that's... Sure. Yeah, I mean, if I move to Texas, I'll probably get a southern draw or whatever they are. I don't know if in Texas they have a southern draw. Maybe I'm thinking like Alabama. I don't know. Yeah, more southern. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because you may not necessarily get a the same kind of voice that someone who was born and raised there, mm-hmm. but you might start to take on certain words yeah. like you know y'all or you know yeah. that kind of thing you you would because it becomes a part of your regular speech with mm-hmm. other people yeah it's hard you you um you're like a chameleon yes you you kind of fade into your environment yes so anyways should we play the second clip yes so the second clip that i gave you what was it about i forget oh it was about the speech therapist okay. um i think he introduced uh actually terry gross introduces the speech therapist and again her name is susan sankin she has a practice in new york and one of the things that she talks about and maybe in this clip is the fact that she in her practice in new york sees a lot of people many of them who are gay Mm-hmm. who want to learn how to speak in a way that they feel may be more beneficial when they communicate at work or so they don't want to sound gay n- not in every environment yeah and and they quit and they can't shut it off because if they could then they wouldn't go see the speech therapist correct they are trying to find they are getting feedback somehow 
that it's not working yeah. for them. She also works with a lot of um, non-native speakers who mm-hmm. are trying to um, – because what she said that she found, and this is, again, so relevant to the show and what we talk about, is – the reason people get frustrated, just like children get frustrated when they're learning how to speak, mm-hmm. is when they cannot communicate what they really want to say. Right. Um, I think I've shared this on the show before, but my dad had a stroke uh, 15 years ago. And he had a stroke that left him with something called aphasia, which means that he cannot connect the words in his head to being able to vocalize it. Many he can, but he's lost some of his communication skills. Why that's so difficult for him is because he knows exactly what he wants to say. He can feel the energy of the words and he knows the words, but he cannot get them through. I feel like non-native speakers have a very similar thing Mm -hmm. because think about when you are not born in the United States and you don't understand all of the how we use language. Slang. Slang. And you're trying to communicate certain things. And maybe it's not coming across the right way because of your intonation. Right. We have so many subtleties. Mm-hmm. So I found that fascinating. So anyway, go ahead and play this from Susan. So this is about a minute and a half. Well, let's call in a speech-language pathologist who you consult in the movie, Susan Sankin. Susan, welcome. So um, from your perspective, well, let me back up a little bit. Was, was David the first person who came to you hoping you'd help him sound less gay? No, not at all. Um, the interesting thing, though, was that David was the first person who came to me who was upfront right from the beginning about sounding gay and what he wanted to do. Very typically in the past, the clients that came would say to me, um, I think I need to improve my articulation or I have an S problem. And after a few sessions when they – I guess when they felt that they could trust me, uh, they would say, you know, by the way, I'm gay. Um, And so I've done this over the years, for many years, and I will say that there were more gay men that came to see me in the past than um, people who come now. So um, I derive from that as it's probably being more accepted nowadays to be gay. The LGBT community has a lot, you know, there's not such a stigma. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that shift is a good shift. Yeah. Um, but yeah, why I find this, again, why I find David Thorpe so brave, as many people who make documentaries, especially the fact that he's focusing on himself and his community, is that he was, he's saying out loud something that maybe, well, I'm not just going to say maybe, he says in his documentary, a lot of guys were thinking, mm-hmm. but no one was ever asking the question. Yeah. And I wanted to read something from another article. Um, talking about where supposedly gay language comes from. Okay? Love to hear it, right? Yeah, so this was also from NPR, but a different, this is more an article on NPR. Okay. The explanation about where the speech comes from that pleases David most is that gay speech has its origins less in biology or neurochemistry than in early female influence. Men who grow up mostly around women tend to mimic feminine speech styles, which, Thorpe argues, would explain why some straight men sound gay and why gays who grow up with brothers often develop he put uh, baso profundos, which may say that must mean a deep, okay. deep language. Another clip from that movie that I saw is he highlights two men, one of them straight, one of them gay. But the the man who is gay has a really deep voice, mm-hmm. and he did grow up with four brothers, mm-hmm. and he you would never. Think, think that he was gay and the other guy he is a straight man he's married he has a child mm-hmm. but his voice is really high 
and he says that he really he he actually didn't get into his own personal quote unquote struggle, right. but how everyone always thinks he's gay. Um, it's funny or sad that my experience with this growing up was from TV. Correct. So remember, too close for comfort. Uh huh. Jim J. Bullock was yes. that the guy's name? Oh yeah. Now was his character gay? Like was he? He was probably not out as. What was his name? So oh god, what was his name? No, he was not. But do you think that that guy was gay in real he life? He had an effeminate voice. I don't know. And then it might reminded me of Spin City. Remember Spin City? I do. With Michael J. Fox? Yes. And the African-American dude was a completely normal guy who happened to be gay. And what I mean by that is he had no effeminate connota- uh, voice or anything like well, that. Well, he is I, – I was reading a great book over um, – and, uh, and I'm going to speak to what you just said. I was reading a great book while we were in Galena, and it was about the heyday of NBC, mm-hmm. which was when there was must-see TV, yeah. and about how those shows came to be, you know, Friends and all that kind of stuff. And the guy who wrote the book, he was the president at the time, he talks about Will and Grace mm-hmm. and how when they first started putting together Will and Grace – um, and again, they had Jack on there, which was a more stereotypical TV role. But Will had not been seen before. Yeah. Except interestingly, as I'm saying this, Billy Crystal in Soap was gay. Right. And he was not effeminate at all. Oh, he wasn't? I never watched that. I knew he was like the first gay character on a sitcom. Yeah. He was not, in my recollection, recollection not the not in the way that you may see on TV. Right. Um, but Will was such a groundbreaking character because really he's a lot. And again, when I say a lot more representative, mm. I really don't know. Right. But he, to me, the gay men that I know are a lot more like Will. Right. Um, and of course I have, you know, I've met men who are more feminine, who have, uh, you know, more of what David Thorpe would call the gay voice. But, you know, Will. Right. That's yeah, just everyday a, guys. Everyday normal guys. Everyday guy. women. Not all lesbians well, that's look the thing. a certain way. Do either. gay women have a voice thing like gay men do? I don't even know. No, I don't think so. I don't think and you know what, Todd? This gets back to the whole gender thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because as we know, when a girl is a tomboy, mm-hmm. that's often embraced. Yeah. You know, oh, she's real athletic. Oh, she's yeah. a tomboy. Yeah, there's a double she standard She can climb there. trees. But if a boy... God forbid your your son likes the color pink right. or likes to play with dolls or... So this is like Dan Savage, who we love, um, who's a writer and he started the It Gets Sweetie, Better we love campaign. him, but he beat us in that contest. He's beaten us like three years in a row. <laughs> We always get to be finalists for like best health and lifestyle podcast. And David Savage is, or Dan Savage is in our category and he kicks our butt every time. But thanks a lot. But at the same time, deservingly so. Because no, I'm not saying he's better than us. I'm saying we're better than him. No, sweetie. he's fantastic. And he, do, he does such good work. Um, but he says that in, in the documentary, he talks about how boys, when they're growing up, if they have any feminine characteristics, they are immediately a target. Yeah. If it be their voice, the way they walk. Well, my buddy Randy, who's gay, um, his parents took him uh, to whatever those things are, those camps where they t- they try to remove the gay from you. Yeah. Which I think How'd is just horrific. I know. Yeah. I mean, I obviously, this is a clip from Soap. We can hear Billy Crystal's okay. voice. Okay. <clears throat> well, Jody. <laughs> So you're going to get married, huh? Yeah, it uh, looks that way. Isn't that nice? Yeah. I guess that means you're not gay. No, Aunt Jessica, it doesn't. Mm. You know, Jody, when we were younger, 
There was no such thing as homosexuals. <laughs> yes, there were, Aunt Jessica. The homosexuals go way back in history. Who? Alexander the Great was gay. Uh, Plato was gay. Plato? <laughs> Mickey Mouse's dog was gay? <laughs> that's Mona from Who's the Boss? Of course it is. Whatever her name so, is. So, no, he sounded like... That's Billy Crystal. Yeah. And that... Why don't we not talk about that character more often? Yeah, I that know. That is pretty groundbreaking. groundbreaking. Yeah. Because then, a lot, then we got into that mix where we kind of went backwards because, like, I love Three's Company, Three's Company, because I grew up with it. Obviously, it was on all the time. And it was a joke that Jack was gay. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't... It wasn't a necessarily a positive character for the community. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't even gay. It was all a scam, you mm-hmm. know? But anyway... Um, we were talking about something else before we went to soap, and I don't remember. Do you want to go to the next clip? And maybe I do, but first I want to talk about our first oh, partner because I haven't talked about any of our awesome partners yet. Uh, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life. Her number is 630-941-8733. She's a chiropractor here, um, and she's very popular amongst people who live in and around uh, the Chicagoland area. So, And she's also really great with families. She actually adjusts uh, both of us and our three daughters. So uh, the website is chirotree.com, Dr. Kelly at the Tree of Life. So... Um, the next clip. Wait, before you do that, Go I ahead. actually looked up Jim J. Bullock while you were reading that, and yeah. he it, he is gay, um, and he it talks about how his partner uh, died from AIDS in 1996, and Bullock is a longtime survivor of the virus, still living and still healthy due to all the antiviral drugs. How about goodness. that? Um, so yes, so he was, but I don't think on the show he was. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think his character was. So I don't know if this next one goes into our next topic or if it's if we're still talking about gay. Um, Do you want me to just play I, it and we'll roll with it? Well, no. I think that goes into something completely different. Okay, so, so, we, no. so we're not done talking about this yet. So this is all I want to say is that as far as this discussion about this documentary, I think it's going to be really interesting and I'm excited to see it. And as I said about the filmmaker, I'm just so – I anytime you shine a light on yourself and you question – because one of the things he says also um, in the interview is the reason he decided to do the documentary is because he was on his way for on a vacation to Fire Island and he was on a boat, like on a ferry with a, a lot of, um, you know, gay men. Were. What is Fire Island? Uh, Fire Island is a vacation spot. Uh, the only reason I know anything about Fire Island is because of watching the normal heart and watching um, heart to heart. No, totally different thing. But it's a vacation spot for and maybe not only gay men, but mm-hmm. it, it it's thought of that way. Okay. Anyway, he was listening to all the men talk around him and it really irritated him. Mm-hmm. He found irritation in his own tribe, Mm. and he started questioning, why am I irritated by the way they sound when I sound that way? And he started to get into that deeper part of himself that still had a sense of guilt or loathing Mm. about who he was. And a lot of those things are deep-seated, even if you have a parent who's like, no, this, and especially in this day and age, a parent who's like, this is, I accept you fully. Society still gives you messages that you are not okay. And and how that comes out and how that shows up. So I just want to say that I, you know, David Thorpe's not listening to this, but... He might, though. You never know. I just think it's a really um, self-awareness... Um, it's a great it, – it, he's using his ability to make films mm-hmm. to highlight 
something that he sees in himself. And usually if you feel something very deeply, other people are experiencing it too. Well, here's the thing as far as self-awareness goes, because I feel like there's probably a lot of people and I'll be honest, there's probably been times in my past where, you know, he talks about in the interview with Terry Gross that if you're going to go to a gay bar, he would probably speak more flamboyantly because he's in the middle of a gay bar. And the self-awareness piece comes in when we kind of like your story with Jessica, we always acclimate to our surroundings. Absolutely. But yet if somebody is prejudiced against somebody who's gay, like, oh, they're, they talk one way with, 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 when they're at a work meeting and they talk another way when they're at a gay bar. Yet we all do it. Yet we all do Correct. the exact same thing. So Correct. I just want to shed some light on that. Absolutely. And and I think, again, this is like if you guys are listening to this, notice yourself this mm-hmm. week and how you talk. How do you talk with your partner? Mm-hmm. How do you talk with your children? Because that's one thing we talk about a lot on this show is role playing. Mm-hmm. And I'm putting quotes around that is a lot of times we kind of fall into a role where we're, we were a certain person maybe when we were first dating or when we got married. But then when I became a mom, mm-hmm. I started being very serious and yeah. you know talking like one of the things that a lot of new moms joke about is how we start to use words like potty mm-hmm. poop. and poop and all these words that you would never use before you had children yeah. they're just embarrassing and now there's so or something that drives uh, certain people crazy is when couples call each other mommy and daddy yeah um, that used to drive I, I remember saying to myself I'm not going to do that but now I always refer to you as mom well always is strong because if the kids aren't around no you whenever the kids to. are around though i'd never say kathy or anything you i say, say mom. mom yeah right. go ask mom and that's but there's also it's not the go ask mom it's the i say go ask mom a lot I <laughs> this is true but know. it's like where you know daddy and i i don't know i'm trying to come up with i know things. something that drives you nuts sweetie oh wait i know when like the kids aren't around and, and I would call you that, I'd be like, um, daddy's gonna, you know, take me out to dinner tonight or something. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead. I don't have a good example. Something that drives you nuts, sweetie, yeah. is when somebody completely changes their voice patterns when they're around little kids. Hi. Hi, honey. How are you doing? Now, what, let's talk about let's that. Let's talk about it. I understand where it comes from. It doesn't drive me crazy because I'm saying, oh, you shouldn't do that because we do that naturally. That's a biological thing to engage children. Mm -hmm. But it's when it sounds a little condescending Mm -hmm. to the child or like – because I really believe that you can talk to a child – in, you use appropriate language, but you don't have to do the whole high voice thing. I remember hearing a Jodie Foster interview, and she directed a movie and had a bunch of little kids in there. And some, Little Man Tate? No, it was a different one. It was like a big Home family. Yeah, that yeah. one. And she talked to them like adults. Yeah. And the kids responded in a mature way. Whereas if she would have t- talked, you know, baby talked to them, she probably wouldn't have gotten what she needed from those kids. Or you set up a precedent of their... And when you say he, she talked to him like adults, people will misunderstand that. They'll think that she used adult language. She won't language. change her voice. She says, hey, Billy, guess what? It's your time to, yeah. you know, she talks to them like people. Yeah. And I think that they're, again, it's just self-awareness. You don't have to be self-critical. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go, oh, I do that. I'm doing it wrong. You're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. Just start to notice how you talk. And th- the only time that annoys me is when people switch it on and it sounds condescending. Right. Um, because I feel like... Like they're not seeing children 
in yeah. as people. Yeah, right. <laughs> I feel there's like some some other beings. They're catering to them. Yeah, you know what I mean. And there's a there's a sense. Of, I feel like kids. I'll talk about this on a different show, but I had a talk earlier or last week with a teenager. She and I sat down and talked for hours and uh, a really good family friend. And she she and I talked about everything. And she's old enough now to kind of go through all these deep thoughts and self-awareness. And man, she is clued in to everything. Mm -hmm. And she was able to say to me, I've known these things forever. I've noticed this. We think our kids are idiots. They are so smart. And she and I- They're intuitive. They get- more than we give them credit for, all that stuff. And I've always known this because of my clinical work with kids, but to sit with someone and to be at, you know, to not be in a therapist role, but Mm -hmm. be more like in a peer role with her and ask deeper questions. She was like, oh, I know that. Oh, I can tell when that person's lying. Mm -hmm. I could, kids are on to you. So if you do the, okay, I'm going to talk to adults this way. And then, oh, honey, Mm -hmm. they're like, what? Yeah. So awareness. Um, so I think now this is the second part of our show. Okay. So the second part of our show is about the vocal patterns that a lot of girls and boys, men and women are starting to pick up. Mm -hmm. And one of them is called up speak Mm -hmm. and she's going to demonstrate that. And we can too. And the other one is called vocal fry or glottal fry. So play the first one, which is about up. Can I talk about my second partner first? Sure. Okay. Dr. John Kelly. He's our other Dr. Kelly, Chicago dentist online.com. Dr. John Kelly does comprehensive dentistry with a focus on airway and facial development. He's very good at what he does, and we encourage you to check him out if you live in the Chicagoland area. Um, So his phone number is 773-631-6844, and once again, it's chicagodentistonline.com. So here we go. Um, And we talked a little bit about Upspeak in the earlier part of our conversation. Um, And just in case anybody doesn't get what Upspeak is, just demonstrate that for us. Sure, I'd be happy to. It always sounds like you're asking a question, even when you're making a statement. And I don't know what happened to the simple declarative sentence. Yeah. There she goes. Yeah. So that was the speech pathologist explaining what it is. Right. But she doesn't do it as annoying as, like, for instance, um, I'm going to play something from Jimmy Fallon here. I don't know if it's up speak, but I'm playing it anyways. Okay. Hey, Alexa. What's up? Not much. I'm kind of bummed. Yeah. How come? Well, I posted a pic on Insta and only got like three likes. I'm literally dying. Ew, that's like not a lot of likes. That's Jimmy Fallon with Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. And he's doing ill. Ariana Grande looks like she's 12 years old. I know. She's a kid. I thought she was a kid. Like, literally, I can't believe this is, like, a famous music lady. Yeah. So she kind of did a little upspeak and a little glottal fry, too. Yeah, which we're going to talk about in a second. But the upspeak, the therapist didn't do it as annoyingly as... Well, usually the kids will be like, and then I went there, and then I didn't know what I was going to do. I call that sassy voice. And so then he asked me, and I said, I don't know. You're pretty good at it, Thank you. I like to practice it. Did you ever talk like that? I hear girls using it. No, it wasn't really in vogue. Wasn't this, like, Valley Girl stuff back when? A little bit. It does have a little tinge of Valley Girl. Valley Girl, um, I think, still invades. Like Gag Me With a Spoon. Wasn't that Valley Girl stuff? Yes. And uh, a little maybe. Yeah. You should play. You should pull that up. You should play Frank Zappa's Valley Girl. But while you're doing that, 
Um, I think a lot of girls, pre-adolescent uh, teenagers, use that upspeak. And while, again, socially it's appropriate in their age group and they're using it, I think one thing that, um, again, like we talked to our daughters about, is it's not about you can't use that in my house mm-hmm. or anything like that. But making them aware of how it sounds and how it can be perceived. Yeah. One example that um, that I would use, but this uh, speech uh, therapist talks about, is it sounds immature. Mm-hmm. You sound like you don't know. And it sounds young. Yeah. And it also sounds like you're asking for permission. It sounds like you're asking a question mm-hmm. every time you say something. So you don't sound very confident either. Certainly a trigger for me. Yeah. Drives me nuts. I don't have any patience for it. Right. I don't. Well, especially from your own children, because the things that we're trying to teach the most. Like, why does that annoy me so much? I'm like, I'm trying to, is it because I'm scared if they talk to somebody I know like that, like I would be embarrassed? Well, that sounds a little too focused. Well, I'm trying to think, like, why does that bug me so much? Right. I don't know. Okay. You're just being honest. I'm just being honest. I don't know. Yeah. And they don't. I don't think they ever will because they know that it's like. I don't have a lot of pet peeves, but that's one of them. Well, and I think, like I said, the only thing that's important to me is that they're aware of themselves, which Mm -hmm. means that I hear them talking, not maybe, it's kind of a mixture of all those things with their friends. And I can't throw stones because I talk a certain way with my friends. So I find that very normal. But what I want them to understand, and they're too young to really worry about this now, well, not really. If they're talking to a teacher... Or if they're talking, like if they had an internship or a job, or if they were talking to an authority figure of some kind, you want to be thoughtful right. about not being like, huh? You know, and again, it's it's okay to use that with your tribe, mm-hmm. but there is a way, again, this is just the most, this is a self-awareness thing. Do you know, do you have an understanding how what you're doing is perceived? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to change as a person. Mm-hmm. It just means like... You know, we develop this the speech therapist. She what she does is she helps people develop a way to communicate so they can get their needs met. Yeah. So if you are interviewing for a job and you are using upspeak, you may not get your needs met right. because you may not get that job. Yeah. So it's not about being fake, it's about having awareness. And so it's again, this is it's 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 very gray. It this is. is not black and white. And it's funny, like I even think that I would get annoyed if my, obviously if my daughters talk to me like that, I'm going to get annoyed and, and, and hold a mirror up to them saying, do you know how that sounds and mm-hmm. have the conversation? But even if they do it with their friends, like I honestly think I'd be like, don't talk like that. But don't. Is, I know. I, I know you're, I know this is an, op, this is exactly what you just said not to do, mm-hmm. but I'm just being honest. Like, I mean, you and I would talk about it before we'd ever talk to the girls about it, but I don't know. Like, why would I get annoyed how they talk to their friends? Well, you had started that process, and I and I stopped you, and I apologize for that because you were trying to be contemplative about why does it trigger me? Because there's something in you. It yeah. has nothing to do with them. I think it's because maybe the girls that spoke that way, I maybe it's because I was annoyed at them. Maybe it's because I didn't... Um, I didn't respect. I, I, I valued them less. Yeah. So I don't want. It's funny. I feel like I'm doing it right now. I valued them less. Yeah. I'm like doing. I the valued thing. them less, <laughs> and then I didn't really want to talk to them. Right. Well, and let me say that the speech uh, pathologist, this Susan Sankin woman, she says that men are doing this too. So this is not just a female phenomenon. This is men are picking up on upspeak too. So it's becoming culturally normal. Mm-hmm. And you know, once something takes hold like that. It's very difficult to then be self-aware. So it's becoming culturally normal, like grown-up. Like this used to be a kid thing. Mm -hmm. And now I think you're saying this is a grown-up thing. 
Like the Kim Kardashian thing. Well, yeah, I I think the Kardashians, they probably have, they have, I don't watch that show. So I cannot be a Kardashian expert. So you're like one of the only people that doesn't watch that show. But I can't be a Kardashian expert, but I will say, I know they have more of the fry, but they may have the upspeak too. Should I play the thing with the fry? So now let's go into the next thing, which is the glottal fry. Here we go. Let's get to the glottal fry, also known as the vocal fry, demonstrated for us. It's when you're kind of down here. Typically, it occurs at the end of a sentence when you're finishing what you're saying and you drop down into this croaky, frog-like sound. And are you hearing a lot more of that than you used to? Absolutely. And I think that that comes about um, from TV programs, some musicians, uh, singers who use it as a way of trying to get into the deeper pitches, but also kind of as a style. And I think that women are starting to imitate it. And what they don't realize is how harmful it could be to your vocal cords. You're really fatiguing and straining them. You're putting them in an unusual position. And It'll be interesting to see in the near future how many of these women end up in ENT offices with vocal pathology. Yikes. How's that for scaring you? Well, and that's the thing. is like she's a speech pathologist, so this is where – that's where she would focus is how this could potentially end up. And I don't know much about that at all, but I will say that I am noticing that. Actually, Noreen, when we were uh, over there for Fourth of July, Mm -hmm. she was talking about how she – and her brother had been having that discussion. Oh, really? And how they noticed that more people are like, oh. Yeah, you're better at that than this lady is. Yeah, I, I was totally talking to him and he was bugging me. Yeah, now you sound like Amy Schumer, who like... She's, she's parodying. Yeah, she's making fun of it. Yes, yeah. and she, we saw a great interview with Amy Schumer, who's just amazing, by the way. I mean, I know she can be crass and raunchy, but she's just amazing because she points out so many valuable things that no one's willing to say. And she talked about how girls will approach her Mm -hmm. on the street and they'll be like, you are totally me and I totally relate to you. And she'll be like, "Um, I'm parroting you. I'm making fun of you. I am not you. Um, But that, you know, she, she, she can see – she's a sociologist too. Like yeah. she sees what's going on and she's pointing it out. Um, so it's, it's funny. Like this thing doesn't annoy me as much and maybe it's because it's new. Like I don't really know if um, – I don't really know – the upspeak is something that I have a history with. Like I remember girls talking like that. But the, this this thing, it's not as on my radar. Well, I think it's new and I think uh, it has a lot to do, as we discussed with the Kardashians. They're They're so – really famous that they've kind of like they've penetrated everything do you know what i mean like there's things have caught on where people may not even know why it's caught on but it's like a and um and it what the speech pathologist goes on to say about vocal fry is that again what what is picked up in the bigger picture is that it sounds Again, there's a lack of confidence yeah. and there's also a sense of that you're so exhausted that you don't even have time to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And so there's a sense of a- apathy and a sense of defeatedness 
that that's not really a, a uplifting vocal pattern. So do you, what if our daughters are doing this thing with all their friends? Because mm-hmm. this lady just said it's not good for your vocal cords. Right. Are we going to tell our kids to quit talking like that to their friends? It, this is the thing. I, I don't think it works to tell your kids to quit doing something. <laughs> I think what works is it's saying to your kid, I noticed that you're using this. There's a name for it. Yeah. It's called vocal fry. See, we're talking about self-awareness. Instead of labeling something good and bad, we give them information. It's just like a sex talk. Yeah. Instead Instead of saying you can only do this or only do this or here's all the information and I hope because you're educated you make positive choices for yourself but for me to say well I taught my kid this and this therefore they will never do this right. I think there's a sense of misconception yeah. that our children are all we can do is help them make the best choices for themselves with that said I'll get off of sex for a second and talk about this is I would say to her I notice what you're using and there's a name for it and I I totally get why you're using it. I had a vocal, you know, I had a vocal pattern with my friends and I get it, but I want you to know that I, that actually really isn't good for your voice. Mm. But I'm never going to say stop. Stop it. I mean, I may say again to her when we're talking, please use and you know what I always say, use JC's voice yeah. or use Cameron's voice or use Skyler's voice. Use the use your voice that's most natural to you. Yeah. Um but what's happening is again, this was talked about in the NPR interview, is a lot of girls and boys, depending on where they're from, they don't even recognize Mm-mm. that they're doing this. Yeah. They can't even see it. Yeah. And it's they're so surrounded by it that they're having a hard time making different choices. Well, this is kind of off subject, but you know, I'm thinking when I was a little kid, I didn't, I don't think I did any of this stuff, but like we have our own share of bad habits, boys do. Like I used to spit all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of a disgusting kind of gross. habit. Mm-hmm. But it would get to the point where I wouldn't even know I was doing it. So it's just like our daughters. They are they might be doing it and they don't even know they're doing it. I think a big thing for my generation was using like. Mm-hmm. And ums and likes are also very – we don't tune into the fact that we're using them. And I was like – and then I was like mm-hmm. – and then I was like, oh, my God. And then I was like, I'm not doing that. And I remember my my mom or you know adults in my life saying, oh, my gosh, you're using like all the time. And I couldn't even hear it. Sweetie, Mrs. McCabe from seventh grade used to say, it's not like, it is or it isn't. Right. And it probably drove those adults crazy. Yeah. So, so again, I think rather than take the role of being judgy about all these voices. Sweetie, I love being judgy I know. though. Judgy McJudgerson. Yes. Um, I think that we should instead notice it. Hold a mirror up. Discuss it. Point it out. But try and keep an understanding of mm-hmm. that every generation has their thing. Well, and it's kind of like – I just said like. It's mm-hmm. kind of um, – um, I just did a both. I know. It's very hard not to do those things. Um, (laughs) Now I'm just annoying myself. The way we um, choose to have discussions with our kids, like we don't ever tell them not to do anything. Right. And this is another example of how you and I choose to parent. Right. Like we never say you are not allowed to, I mean, unless it's, you know, you can't. You can't stand in the middle of the street. Right. When cars are going by. (laughs) But for the most part, it's an... Oh, it's a, a way to open up a discussion. Right. And this is another – this is just another piece of the big puzzle about who they are. Mm-hmm. If they at a young age can recognize that their vocal patterns change depending on who they're with, that's something that some 50-year-olds don't know. Most of us don't. And that's like a – just another self-awareness piece. It's not to make them hypersensitive of it or to make them – feel uncomfortable about who they are. It's almost like, like I said, when I pulled up to Jessica's and she started ripping me for my parallel parking, which is good, by the way, she was like, I was trying to fit into a spot and I pulled out. She goes, oh my God, 
just that's what bumpers are for. Just get in there. And I was like, dude, I use a lot of dudes when I'm talking to my girlfriends. Yeah. I was like, dude, I am not, you know, and I just kind of we had a kind of funny back mm-hmm. and forth um, that that is that is comfortable mm-hmm. to me. That is our it's a it's an indication of our relationship. Yeah. But if I was ever using a voice that I was trying to put on. Yeah. If you're trying to be fake. Like, I'll give you an example. I, I, You just said today I haven't watched Oprah in a long time, but I'm going to use an Oprah example. Oprah, when she – she tells the story all the time. But she talked about when she first started on the news, she wasn't quite sure what she was doing because she was like 19 years old. So she just decided to imitate Barbara Walters. Mm-hmm. And she said, every time I went on the air, I pretended I was Barbara Walters and I used her voice and her mannerisms. And she goes, and there came a point where she started like saying words wrong because yeah. she was trying to talk like Barbara. And she said, and I realized I just need to use my own voice. And that came to her in her mid-20s. Yeah. Like we the, we come to these things eventually. It, so it's different to use speech patterns than it is to put on a fake sense of self. Right. But I think that um, there's a gray line in there. There's It's not black and white. Yeah. I'd, and I don't really have any answers about it. I just love to talk about it. You just have to be you. We model our own show like that, our podcast this is how you and I talk. Like yes. if you ever came over and hung out in our kitchen, it would be pretty much the exact same thing as you're hearing right now. Because right. if we were trying to be somebody else, it wouldn't work. Well, and one of the things that we're really excited about with this conference in March um, is that uh, we're going on Friday night of the conference. The full conference is Friday night and Saturday. So it's March 11th and March 12th. And March 11th is is Todd and I. I mean, we may have some people who stop by. I don't know. But March 11th is basically Todd and I talking and doing a question and answer and really sitting with people who listen to the show. You and be chilling like a villain. And I don't think you will see anything different or hear anything different than you normally do, meaning that that is the way... Todd and I never wanted to be staged. We never wanted to be really reliant on notes or a way of being. We just wanted to talk. Mm-hmm. And um, and why I get excited about doing live things is because I feel like that comes across. That's when we're home, sweetie. And speaking of, we do have kind of a big announcement. We do. We do. And do you think you could find a song that sure. you could play? Which one? So, um, I don't know. Oh. There's many, many, many that right. I love. Um, so the big announcement is that one of the things that when Todd and I put this conference together for March that we really wanted to do was make it different and a little more like us and um, fun. And um, we have this friend who lives in town who is a musician and she's a rock star. She's pretty famous. And we asked her to be our musical guest. Yeah. And she's in so many bands that she said to me right away, I don't know if I can because I've got all these tour dates. And I, you know, and I think I asked her in March. Right. So it was a year away. And she on Friday texted me and said, I'm in. Let's do this. Yeah. And our musical guest, did you want to do a. Well, first I want to do this. I'm holding people hostage. Our musical guest is Kathy Richardson. Awesome. Who has a, her own band called the Kathy Richardson Band. Mm-hmm. She is also the lead singer for Jefferson Airplane. So she is she has taken Grace Slick's place. If for those of you who are Jefferson Airplane fans, she also um, is in a band called the Macrodots. Um, she's in a lot of bands. And Todd and I in the um, – oh, and she was on Broadway, off-Broadway, doing Janis Joplin for many years. Um, so she has quite the voice, if you can imagine her doing 
any song that Grace Slick sang yeah. and Janis Joplin's voice, and it's just gorgeous. Um, and when Todd and I, in the 90s, she's from the Chicagoland area, so we used to go see her at Chicago bars all the time. Mm-hmm. And then we found out she lived in Elmhurst. And it was pretty exciting. And then we we made friends with (laughs) her. And then we made friends with her, and we just love her. And so our big announcement is that Kathy Richardson is singing at our conference. And we are honored. Honored. Beyond honored. Thrilled. Because what what we said to each other when we asked her is – you may not be from this area, so you may not have listened to Kathy's music or know her. But when you hear her... You'll be like, oh my God, who is this woman? You'll be like, you'll never forget her. So um, here's a song from Kathy Richardson called Making a List, Yeah, sweetie. and actually start playing it. Just play it kind of low. Um, this song is really bluesy. Yeah, um, And I think it really gives a good indication of her voice. Um, but she's got rock, hard rock, all over the board. But... Just listen to this so you get an idea. Come over here, baby. Sit down with me. Tell me everything you need. Cause I want to give you all I have to give. Every night. Sounds pretty good to me. Oh, my gosh. This is a great one live. Everybody loves this song. And she's, like, talented. I mean, she's a singer-songwriter. She plays guitar. I mean, this woman is talented, and we're just very lucky to have her. And so with this said, the fact that we have Kathy, um, another exciting announcement is the fact that um, her wife, Rachel Richardson... Um, she runs a company called Shining Shakti, and Shining Shakti makes awesome activewear clothes, um, sustainable and you know good for the earth, all that kind of stuff. And it's so cute. Um, it's funny because once uh, Rachel started selling Shining Shakti in town, I feel like don't you feel like you saw her pants everywhere? Yes. Her yoga pants, yep. everyone was wearing them. So Rachel, uh, Rachel and Kathy own the company together, but Rachel's kind of the head of it, and she is going to be a vendor at our um, conference with people we love. And so Rachel will be there, too, with her awesome Shining Shakti wear. So it's just to have both of them there is really wonderful, and we're just so thrilled to have them on the team. ShiningShakti.com, sweetie. Yep, ShiningShakti.com. So check it out because you can also order through the website. You don't have to wait. Um, Go look at what Rachel has and see how amazing it is. I actually have a Shining Shakti dress. Do you? Remember the black dress, the strapless one? I wore it like all summer. Yes, I do remember that. Yes, they have cute stuff. So yet another exciting partner of ours, and we're just very blessed to have them. So um, our last partner uh, for the podcast is Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company. Company. Um, we're just going to let her song right. lead us out instead of the Zen parenting music. I thought, the, don't we get in trouble if we play a song too long? But it's Kathy. She won't care. Okay, good. What are we worried about? Well, I don't know. I just thought there was laws. There's no laws. There's no laws. We're, we're, we, we live in a lawless society. <laughs> um, Jeremy Kraft, Avid Company, 630-956-1800. Uh, we did get a uh, iTunes review, by the way. Um, some lady 
Oh, I shouldn't say. We have some men that give us reviews, but DKJ73, she's inspired, sweetie. I'm always trying to be the best person I can. The show inspires me and supports me in that effort. I love your ideas and this podcast. So thank you. Thank you. you. That means a lot to to us. To DKJ73, five stars. And um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for sharing our show. Thanks for liking our Facebook posts. Thank you for supporting us in any way that you guys can support us. And we'll... Catch you back on Friday. Have a great week. Adios. Oh,